You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Sid Talk said she had to fart, so we start in this podcast a little later than usual. <laughs> I haven't done it yet. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, I we- said I have to. If the occasion arises during this podcast, I'll let you know. Charming. And I just ate some crackers. You're the one who brought it up when it did not need to be brought up at all. I just ate some crackers and uh, my breath is pretty vile Mm. right now. It's onion crackers. So So we're talking about stink from both ends right now. Okay. (laughs) So uh, it's it's Sunday, March the 21st, 2010. This is after the show number 114. And you said, tell these people what after the show is. Oh, one of those, eh? You took me by surprise. After the show is um, basically the discussion we've always had uh, since we met 10 years ago and got married 10 years ago. We met 11 or 12 years ago, got married very firmly based on both of our love of movies and the X-Files, as flimsy as that may sound for some for a relationship. However, in this time, when we do watch movies, we just end up talking about them and... At one point, you said, hey, let's do a podcast, and you bought this here microphone, and that's what we're doing. We watch a movie, we talk about it. Movie review show. Is it a movie review show? Yes, we review the movie. I suppose. Yes. Okay, That's that was what I wanted you to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving the whole story, yeah. and we're married. Right. Okay, so it's after the show number 114. We're looking at the movie Where the Wild Things Are this week. And for once in a while, uh, well, usually we look at a Blu-ray release, but this time they only had a DVD release for us to uh, review. So we're looking at the DVD version of the movie. Um, This is a 2009 movie, 2010 release. It's actually released on DVD and Blu-ray Tuesday the 2nd of March. So it's been out for a couple of weeks. It's from our friends at Warner Brothers. And Sid Talk is going to tell you what the movie is all about. I feel a little bit used now. I thought this was just a discussion between you and I. We enjoy each other's company, etc. But no, it's a review. Fire enough. Fire enough. Ugh. Uh, sum up this movie is a young boy feeling troubled, a little bit pressured in life for whatever reasons. A shitty older sister, my mama's busy, he's got a little anger <clears throat> issue inside of him. He throws a big fit, and then he runs off, ending up in on an island uh, populated with a small collection of what things. we can only call as monsters, they really. Call things. Creatures. And he becomes their king, and he learns a couple lessons about life and how to deal with different people. To me, bottom line is, it's a story about life. You know, based on a gr- ch- losing your innocence and being a grown-up. Let's say, based on a children's, famous children's book that we neither of us are aware of no. at all. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, well, um, it was a popular... Ch- I'm surprised you never heard never of it. Had. No. Uh, most people I've spoke to are like, oh yeah, that was one that my dad used to read to me when I was a kid and stuff. So, um, famous children's book that we apparently... Um, it passed us by... Um, from the 60s uh, and one of the most successful children's books mm. now from what I went and did a bit of research on the children's book and the movie's not identical to the book you know they've 
it's only a very short book and they you said to me at the end of the movie how could a short book yeah. be all that but um okay so where the wild things are um now going in with no for me with no reference i couldn't tell you you know a lot of people probably go into this movie and go oh it's not like the book or Mm-hmm. It's not what I thought, or you know, in my mind it was different to that because it would be, wouldn't it? Everybody will have a different take on a book. Um, so for me, you know, no frame of reference, just went in as a story. Um, first thing I noticed about the movie was the photography is beautiful. I don't. Did you agree? Some of it. Just like immediately from the begin, the the scene in the house at the beginning where he's just running around the house, mm. climbing under the table and stuff. Yeah. Um, the director or the DP whoever was responsible it was it's kind of lit in that arty kind of way I don't I can't explain it exactly but you know with the shafts of light coming through and it's just an interesting looking movie it's not what I thought it was going to look like that's Hmm. I I thought you know where the wild things are and it's based on a children's book I was just expecting like a straight up like here's a children's book you know like an Alice in Wonderland or something so it surprised me because it felt it's kind of gritty, isn't it? Like the, Occasionally, yeah. And it's a little more in the psyche of a per You know, it's like the camera's trying to give you a little really in, rough and tumble of the yeah. moment. And, you know, different... It's not, it's not too artsy-fartsy or anything. It's just different than a functional, here's the camera standing I really liked how it... Action, how, yeah. And that carries on throughout the entire film. You, you know, um, this there's a style to it that you either like or you don't like. Some people probably won't like it. But... Um, the other, the second thing, and I waited till the end of the credits for this entire reason. <laughs> the music in the movie, I still don't know who it's by, but I'm gonna go and get the um, soundtrack to this movie because I think the music was perfect for them. It it was one of the movies where it assisted the tone and the feel of the movie. Do you, do you agree? I agree. Did like you, I didn't know what, the song. Do you remember how I what I called it? It's like uh, sort of like maudlin. But whimsical at the same time. Haunting kind of music. Haunting, but got that whim, that weird... Dun, 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 and it absolutely uh, adds to the feel, like, of just... I don't know, like, um... I'm not blinking at you or anything. Winking, I've got... I have, like, a weird muscle spasm like, in my eyelid. Don't worry about it or anything. I'm oh, just telling you. Like, uh... <laughs> just go on with what you're saying. <laughs> what, would you, what would you say that is, that is like, um... I could be having a stroke, but you just go on. <laughs> you want to stop? No, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. If right. you wonder why I'm rubbing my eye and it's twitching like crazy, no, because you always do that. No, it's that. Look, I do not always do that. Really? Oh my oh, god, you always get a slight twitch to you. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. All right, so the music added to the. See, I see this. See, it's not a movie for kids. Mm-hmm. I see this as a childhood movie for people who have grown up, and. It kind of reminds you about being what it was like being a kid. Because, you know, I'm 40 years old. Um, you're older, hence the twitching. <laughs> um, you know, you do lose sight of what it was like to be a child running around the house and being crazy. But this movie does bring back, does bring you back to that stuff. But there again, this movie's really dark in tone. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's not a feel look, feel, happy-go-lucky, feel-good kind of deal. It's... Um, it's quite disturbing in a way. 
And I'm not talking like disturbing as in blood and guts and no. stuff. I'm talking about just it's disturbing the trip as this in kid takes is the things that rip away a child, a person, us. We were children. We were we're human beings. We went from being a baby to now being adult, and later we'll be dead. Okay, <laughs> basically that's the cycle of life. And somewhere in your youth, someone tells you that. Or you see it, or you hear it, or it dawns on you. For some reason. And in this, a teacher, a science teacher, explaining that the sun eventually will expand, I, uh, and explode, and will burn up and die out, and then the universe will be dead. And the kids are like, just... Yeah. It's what, you know, and that's I true. love that scene. It, now, that's an a... innocent way to lose your innocence. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's a big, heavy concept for kids, right? Other ways you do it is when a, someone dies and you see the grieving process around you and the grown-ups. Or if, goodness forbid, something... Some bad adult, to you. Yes, does bad things to you. That takes away. That's like the worst-case scenario of how you can lose it. But in, 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 in a better case... The way you lose it is that you catch glimpses around you of grown-ups rem- reminding each other or telling you, "Ah, there's no Santa Claus. Ah, there's no Easter Bunny. Ah, that's a bunch of bullshit. Oh, that movie's going to end with the hero winning anyway. And all oh, that TV show's bullshit because he's going to be alive next week anyway. Because if, if he's not alive, they won't have a TV show. That's the kind of stuff I heard when I was a kid from my asshole father. Constantly ripping out from under your feet any sort of whimsy or fantasy constantly. Now, I was a woman. I was a little girl. I loved Charlie's Angels. I loved Bionic Woman. I loved Six Million Dollar Man. I loved the A-Team. All that stuff. And I could totally get there in my mind. Even now with movies like this one, I can go there and I'm just totally into it. I don't carry on being in a fantasy world, but I love that encapsulated fantasy time. And I could do that when I was a kid, but in the back of the room was always this barking, bitchy, hateful overbearing, angry, which is a big theme in this movie, because he, to me, represents the Carol character. He's got an angry, like, um, violent look at the world, and he just wants to rip everybody else down with him, like with this Carol character, ripping down the houses and and punching holes and things. And that that pecks away at you as a kid. And then you, re- and then when you're an adult like now, I mean, you know, some of the shine is off of everything. It makes it hard. You have to really, really work hard. I think as an adult, to not have staring you in the face constantly the reality of what the science teacher said. You know, this is this is all good and well, but eventually it's all going to be gone. You know what I mean? Like so, the deal here with these um, things that he meets, each one of these things is. Not your typical character in a children's um, <laughs> deal. No. They've all got like something psychologically going on. Not, yeah. not, not they're even not a, Glenda the it's Good Witch. Not even a physical thing. Like you, yeah. No, they're, they're not, not Glenda they're not or the Scarecrow the or the Tint. No, there's no. Um, they all kind of look the same. I mean, mm. I mean, yes, there are some different. They're really big bags under their eyes and they look really sad. They look and worn down. Like they've done, but. What's interesting about them is not really the way they look, even though that is interesting in this movie, but it's what you get inside all of them. Like, mm-hmm. you understand where they're all coming from. Totally. You know, and I said to you, oh, that person reminds me of somebody in your family. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then when I went and looked, the author had based these on his aunts and uncles when he did the book. So, so it is a look at a family through the eyes of a child. Has it, when he grew up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, I think. Because you've got, like, the angry 
dude who's violent, and yet he's got his little sidekick dude, the bird, who is right there to calm him down and keep him mm-hmm. on the even, and that they're like a set, you know, and that he caters to, and everyone's mood is circles around the angry, violent guy. Who could be a father in a family who or the mother. wife? Yeah, I mean, is we the, won't rule out women can be shitty, horrible well, yeah, creatures but I'm, as well. I'm getting, you know. Yeah, a violent, hateful, moody person who rules the domain of that family, and everyone, when that person's happy, everybody's happy. When that person's depressed, everyone's afraid and everyone's down. And in this group, they've all just got the just life is just sucked out of them. You know. So it's interesting in that respect. Um, you know, a kid's... I'm not, I don't know if the kid's book conveyed it. I, I, don't, I forget the feeling the movie conveyed it more. Because they kind of adult... Made it kind of yeah, adult, didn't they? I think so. Um, but it really comes across. And I felt like, you know, within like 20 minutes of meeting the things, I kind of knew where I, everybody stood. And the whole dynamic of... Like, it was a family, wasn't it? Of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, a miserable it, family. Yeah, well, with <laughs> there some was glimmers... No, with, there was with, no pleasure there. Well, there was when... Um, Max arrived. Yeah, but think of before that. Yeah, and then think about after. Yeah, and then you know when I was saying it's kind of di- like kind of a dark and deep and disturbing story, not really for kids. I feel like an adult um, thing because I think some of it would be a bit intense for kids. I mean, there's the idea of when these when it shows the human remains yeah. in the fire. Well, when when Max first meets the things. He kind of glimpses out of the corner of his eye that there's human remains in the fire. Well, first they're going to eat him. Yeah, well, first they're going to eat but then there's humans remains. And then he says, like, was that... Because they've named him the king. And he's like, was that the other king? And they're like, no, no, we didn't even know those were there. No, no, like, no, you know, no, no. So there is evidence of these things being... Mean Just eating people. Well... Well, that's pretty... They're surviving. Yeah, but... You know, it's scary for a kid. Like you're telling that to a kid. There's these things. But I then think I that's said, what I equate- bothers me is that it's not quite dark enough for that. It didn't sink in with me. And as a kid, I don't know. I mean, you'd be like grossed out, but it didn't feel. Maybe I just want some more. You know, like I want. I want to see. The to me, I'm older. Blood the guts. Yeah, but I wouldn't. You know, for smaller kids, I feel that this. You would have to make a decision. Watch it yourself as a parent. Yeah. Because. I think it could like freak some kids out because it is it isn't typical is it it's not like you say wizard of oz straight up yeah. there's the bad guy there's the good guy you root for these people it's not yeah, like why do you want to befriend uh these creatures why do you want people? to <laughs> yeah why do you want to and why is and my- they're violent and they throw each other around and they're destructive and you know and i said it I conveys see. the naivety of children as well as like that children know what's going on also but, you know, Max takes some trust leaps with these things, which could eat him at any second because he's seen evidence of that. But he tries to get with them, you know, and then you could say that they don't exist anyway. They're imagination things. Yeah, but. I think, unfortunately for me, they didn't sell the idea in any of the dialogue or the behavior. They were actually menacing. I never felt that. I, I did think from it's a the, couple of them. I didn't. I did. Because of the way they are. Now, I would have to see drawings, and I, I assume that the drawings are precisely what we're seeing in the movie. I feel like they're feeling being pretty true. The, I've seen the, the drawings. drawings. They don't look kind of what they are. They're no. kind of bigger. They look bigger to me. Right. I thought that too. Yeah. But then you think there's a dyna- there's a logistical I got, I've got to say, I love how they are in the movie. There's people in oh, suits. Yeah. 
Massive. Jim Henson puppets, but with people in suits, yeah. but it's puppeteering to make the emotion on the, the emotion faces. is totally It's not a CG there. deal. That's no, what I'm I mean, that emotion, seriously, you are... They do, come on, they just look like dudes in suits, right? So that yeah, had but a they're hard awesome, time. Like, they're very they're... awesome, but there's no... There's nothing about them that fits into a real-life situation until you start watching a scene close up, and the emotion is awesome. I um, mean, the way their eyes move and their no everything. And we know really Jim good. Henson's the, mo- you know... Dead. Yeah, but the, <laughs> his company, a master of puppets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, one, you know, even going back to, like, mm-hmm. you know, movies that we're going to recommend this week. Um, but... Yeah, I thought it was... You know, like when we watched the Extraordinary League of Gentlemen and they did the dude in a suit and I said, that's so much better than the CG guy. So and there's no better. CG going on in this... Well, there is. Yeah. But not much. It's more these... Not, not, not even puppets. Guys in suits with animated faces, right? Um, I thought that added totally... If it was all CG, I think it would have been... <clears throat> you would have been thinking, oh, that kind of looks crappy, that kind of looks crappy. But once you buy the idea that they're all in suits... Immediately, when you meet them all. Aren't you supposed to buy the idea that they're just real? <laughs> well, you know, we're adults. I didn't... Yeah. You know, you, you can't buy the idea that they're real. I, so, you know... You, there were times when it re- they really fit and looked and were grounded in the reality of the situation, like in the forest, and they really looked... And then there were times when it just sucked me out because I was like, oh, I just... It's just a, you know... See, I loved it. That, that to me, made the movie... Better. I didn't want... Um, CG people um, I don't know what they're supposed to be like anyway but as soon and the voices were perfect for each character you know there's some famous we'll go into them after but there's some famous voices that you immediately recognise of course yeah and the main one is the perfect casting in my opinion for that um, you know the kind of guy he's portrayed before is mm-hmm. the kind of guy that he's portraying here um, and a couple of other the others are perfect too but these it really added it to me, and and then the sets too. They were so simple, like there wasn't, yes. you know, it was there was a couple of sets, maybe three or four different places that that the things and Mike's visit during the movie, but they're all, you know, simple yet like otherworldy. It, it doesn't yeah. look like they're in a forest, but it doesn't look like a forest. No, and there's an action scene that takes place in a forest with guy, you know, with these things and Mike's and. Yeah, it looks really good, and they're just dudes in suits, and they're fighting with each other. And then there's a bit when they're building a fort, and the fort just looks amazing. It's like you know, yeah, it's got a cool shape. I think unfortunately, a couple of times I had a glimmer of puffin stuff, you know, HR puffin stuff with the fly, with the jumping and the flying, where it wasn't right. quite, you know. And unfortunately, yeah, that's my adult brain. But then I just have to click it off and go, ah, whatever. Just to think. Fly through the air. That's what this movie is part of. So, you know, know, innocence is gone kind of deal. So, um, I I really liked it a lot. Like, I thought the combination of, like, the music, the the story's simple yet complicated at the same time if you look deeper into it. If you think about it after the fact, stuff comes up to you. Because I was saying to you, there's a scene where... Max needs. Max has to take a leap of faith. I won't oh, spoil yeah. it. But I was saying to you, it's kind of like the leap of faith that kids take all the time with when they're a kid and they're fairly innocent. And somebody says, "Here's some sweets. Come in this car." That kind of deal that happens every day. Kids, there's either a trust or there isn't. Right? They've either got to that point where they right, don't. Right. So oh. that 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 is the essence of. 
we have to lose our innocence because if to we don't in life, we have to understand. There's a line, though, and that's what between this the things that rip about. apart your your ability in life to see things in a sort of like lighter way and take things in a lighter way. And then the flip side of that is to just let everything bring you down because mm-hmm. it's very difficult. And I feel not to. that that's what this, you know, Max as a character has already straddled this line of trust, don't trust. You know, what the hell are what the hell are adults up to? I can see stuff going on. It kind of makes me mad. Mm-hmm. He's already gone past that line, and this other world is all that stuff manifesting itself in this weird right. Instead of a kid fantasizing about a place where everybody is, you know, whimsical and lighthearted and friendly to escape. with a bad per- a, ga- a bad guy or a villain, it's like everybody is depressed and down and needs him to understand them enough to lift them up in their own special way from one to the other to the you know what I mean, it's like a psycho like a personality test almost <laughs> like yeah. okay, what do I say to this person to make them not be angry. What do I say to this person to make them understand? What do I say? And it goes, it's just like in a workplace or in a family. Every person's different and you got to learn how to navigate around. And that's one of the questions, one of the things asks, isn't it? Um, Or he asks, Max, like, how do I... Make everybody okay. And that's the crux of the crux of the psychological idea of the movie. It's the crux of everything, isn't it, really? Um, And there's there's a really... Very emotional, like, intricate scene at the beginning where Max is in the house and his mother asks him to tell her a story. Mm-hmm. And the story that comes out... You know, it's a typical mm-hmm. story that comes out of a kid, but when you look at it, it's a kid, a distre- like, distressed or, or thinking right, about... Right, see, that was part of my problem with the whole of the movie, is that his life is typical... Parents are divorced, his mother is nice and lovely, and their house is okay, and the sister's just a teenage sister who's a shit. Nobody's hurting him. He's lonely. He's lonely. That seems to be... And not that that's not bad enough for a kid, because you feel like in life, that is shitty, right? But other than that, other than it, maybe it's just his personality. And that's another comment you can make about the way the movie is, that he has the potential... To go from this kid who has no other reasons to be angry, but he might grow into that and be that angry, violent, uh, moody, pushing everybody away, demanding attention all the time kind of person. And we all know grown men and women like that. But this moment in time, he gets the opportunity, however it happens, to maybe, you know, make a choice not to be that way. Yeah, so the sequels where Max is 10 years older and he's killing people and chopping them up and putting them in his fridge. Oh, no, that's Dexter. Yeah. That's a TV show. Yeah, well, yeah, Dexter had that kind of chat. Well, kind of a disturbed... Well, a bit, bit worse than Max's childhood. But yeah, anyway, well. Yeah, Max's childhood doesn't come across in the movie as particularly horrible. Mm-mm. But it does. Lonely. he does come across as a sad kid. That's the problem. Lonely is a good... Yeah. And the kids actually... You know, his mother's attention is kind of... He likes his whole mother's attention, and his mother's attention is being divided between him and the boyfriend. And, and work, and the sister. Yeah, everything's kind of getting to the kid, so the kid has and to And he's getting to that moment you've talked about recently, that moment when you, when you turn around and look at your life and things people are telling you, and you go, wait a minute. Yeah, like I, you know, my mom isn't going to just cuddle and roughhouse with me anymore and listen to my stories and whatnot, like, just in that moment and pay complete attention to me. I have to 
be a part of her being upset about work, and then my sister's bugging me, and then I know she's got a boyfriend, and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, sharing attention, and then, you know, we all... I guess we all hit that moment. That's why I really like it. I think it's got... <laughs> I don't know how the I don't know if the book has these layers of detail, but the layers of detail come across in the film. I don't know if they were. I don't know if there was more added. I, mm. I'm sure the book's a lot simpler than the movie is, because the movie's. You can got, say a lot with that kind of book, though. You you know. Yeah, the movie has a lot to say, though. Is what I'm saying. It's um, it's I really, absolutely, um, without another spoil, without spoiling again, I love the end scene. Just the simpleness mm-hmm. of it. It's simple. But it makes you feel a certain way. It's just, I don't know, it's a charming movie, isn't it? You like charming stuff. It's charming in, it's charming in lots of ways, though. Like I say, it's a mixture of, I like the look, I like the mu- music, I like all the actors, actually. Mm-hmm, very um, good. The voices, the looping or whatever they call it on the voices was a little bit freaky for me. It does. It's not like the voices didn't match, but the sound of them didn't always... Make it sound like right. it was really happening in yeah, the environment. Yeah, I know what you mean. They sound like they're yeah. in a sound booth. Sometimes. I mean, sometimes. But then that yeah. also kind of irritates me. And I can't help it. It just happens. But, you know, that is the deal. Like it, Yeah. The reality is, in any movie like this, they're in a... They're like this, aren't they? They're on a microphone. Well, they put James Gandolfini <clears throat> in the goddamn suit. Yeah. It would fit into it. <laughs> so, um... Let's go on to the cast of the movie. So, we've got uh, Max Records, who actually plays Max. I liked how they wrote Max over the titles and stuff at the beginning it was kind of cool. So, a Max plays Max. And um, he's a n- newcomer to... Uh, and he's I thought he was excellent. Excellent. From the moment at the beginning where he was snowball fighting with the uh, kids over the fence. Oh, awesome. And he started crying. I bought woman? the kid. Feed me yeah, some that food. Was really funny. <laughs> he called his mother woman. Woman? I'm hungry. Feed yeah. me some food. No, that was like to show that he was kind of... Throwing a fit. Yeah. Demanding attention. I don't know whether they... See, that's the only problem I have. I don't know I don't know whether they um, showed at the beginning there that he was a, kind of a pest nuisance enough. I agree. Like, because like, I find him charming. Like, And when he stood on the thing and said, woman, <laughs> while that's disrespectful and stuff, I actually just found We that, both like, laughed because we were like, oh you know? my god. Yeah. And you know what? If you think about that moment on a different day, that mom funny. would have thought it was funny yeah, too. But, but in that moment... The boyfriend was there and it was... Yeah. She was embarrassed and, you know... But so. it was... I don't think that was enough to make me feel that Max was a complete pest and, like, that was kind about of... About to go off the rails. Go off the rails, yeah. Um, so then we've got the mother played by Catherine Keener, who I thought I was... She's not in it very much, but what she is in it... She's lovely. Yeah, it's a really... So, like I say, that f- where he's telling her a story and she's writing it on a computer, typing it in. I just love the expression she was giving the whole thing. Like, it felt like a... Well, and from the looks of it, she has a son about that age. So that's probably why she was able to really... Yeah, just think you know. of her own son. Um, Mark Ruffalo... I love her, by the way. I, every single thing she does, I love. Yeah, so. I do too. Mark Ruffalo is the boyfriend. He's literally in it for like 10 seconds. If that, <laughs> You barely even know it's him. You're like, that... Why is Mark Ruffalo being yeah. that boyfriend guy on the couch? And that's it. Yeah, who says, says like one thing. He shouldn't he? talk to you that yeah, way. and that's it. Like, it's the only thing you see of him. Um, but, yeah. you know, I like Mark Ruffalo. Um, I think blindness he might, I think he might have done it for free. I that. think so, too. <laughs> um, so now the voices of the things. Uh, James Gandolfini uh, plays Carol. Um, as soon as he opened his mouth, I was like, that is... I, could, I understood, because what he's doing when you meet him, 
it's kind of rambunctious. And as soon as he opened his mouth, and you, you, you can't not know that's James Gandolfini, right? Rambunctious is a very, very kind, idealistic way of putting it. He's an angry, Being violent an character. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think he's perfect, James Gandolfini. I loved his voice in it. I thought he brought emotion to the character. And the James Gandolfini character, um, Carol, in this, has some real emotional scenes to play. Yep. And I, and I got it, like, from Jim Henson's puppeting with the face and J- James Gandolfini's tone. I think it was a really good performance. Um, there was a... I think was that knowing his voice and having watched Sopranos and True Romance, I just have to say there's too much of a given in our minds that he is that kind of character. So I'm not sure if there's that much quality there, in my opinion, except that it... You have seen him throw a fit of rage. You've seen him be violent. You know him as that character. So his voice fits. Yeah, I, I don't know it. that there's a lot of quality. Well, there. I think James Gandolfini, for of what he does, is he's superb. I think. Um, right. So I'm saying though, your brain is filling in the gaps from things you've seen. It before. is, but that's a good thing. Like, so somebody picked the right person. If mm. is you know what I'm saying? Like, because what I'm saying is he didn't bring anything. Anything interesting to? I mean, it could have been Tony Soprano talking. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing interesting about it because you've already fill in that this is James. Well, I actually thought it was interesting. Dick who punches holes in walls, and you know that. But towards the end, where he um, had to be lighten up. What? Lighten up a little bit. Yeah, and be quite. There's some touching parts at the end where he had to be quite. I don't know. I can't. I guess. I just think that it's still... I mean, I think it was pretty functional. I'll put it that way. Okay, Paul... I, I disagree. I thought he was my favourite of the voice actors. Um, Paul Dano plays Alexander. Now, Paul Dano is... The guy from The Girl Next Door. Oh. Clits. You mean from the... Uh, and the uh, guy the from There Will Be Blood. No, not that one. The other one. The one from There Will Be Blood is the uh, preacher. Oh, my. That guy. Oh, right. Paul is he Dan. the goat guy? He thing? plays the goat thing? Alexander. That is the goat, right? No, I think so. Yeah. The one that nobody listens to. Yeah, no, I didn't know that was him. I, only after I looked. But um, I, I'm just going to go on record and say all of the voice actors on the things were good. I didn't, yeah. There wasn't anybody. like um, The other ones were Catherine O'Hara was Judith. Uh, She's the mother from... Home Alone. Yes. Uh, Forrest Whitaker was Ira. I wouldn't have known. Chris Cooper was Douglas. Him, I knew. Yeah. He's the he's the creepy father from uh, American Beauty. And that's all, I wrote, that's all I wrote down. And Chris Cooper's been in a lot of things. I always like him whenever... I always think of him from American Beauty, though. That's he's so fucking creepy, man. So, uh, directed by Spike Jones, who... Also, J-O-N-Z-E. Yeah, who... You know, I'm always been a fan of um, well first thing I ever saw from Spike Jones was uh, he directed some of Bjork's early videos the really really awesome videos like the did you ever watch any mm-hmm. of the, she, she, her videos were very avant-garde you know and um, I was I'm, I still am a big fan of her and it was back in MTV days even when she first came out and when the, whenever a new Bjork video come on I always used to think these videos are amazing like it's like I'm in a dream world. You know, if you watch them on uh, YouTube or whatever, it's like, holy, who thought of this? This is crazy. Well, he's responsible for all her early videos. Um, that's how he started. 
And then he became the co-creator, create, co-creator of Jackass, which we all know, you know, like it or not like it, it became a phenomenal success. In fact, his next movie, Spike Jones, is Jackass 3D. I don't know if Jackass needs to be in 3D. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Keeping my opinions to myself. Um, I'm a big fan Except of the Jackass is, of course, the sign and the poking and prodding of the degeneration of an entire age group. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, so he did do those. And then, then he went on to do some movies. Firstly, uh, being John Malkovich, which I've still not seen to this day. I do want to see it. It's on Netflix Instant Q, so I think we should see it. Um, an adaptation, which I have seen, which I really love, which is the Charlie Kaufman autobi- semi-autobiographical Nick Cage, Nick Cage um, duo personality Really good movie. I like that movie. It was nominated for Academy Award, I believe. If not, if it didn't win, I think it won. Um, so, and this movie, where the Wild Things, being quite different to his other line of work. Mm-hmm. So I really like that when a director, you know, takes a different. Do you feel like he has a style that he's building up? I feel he has a visual style. Because I, I felt like this movie was quite dark at times visually. I think it was supposed it was a bit to be. muddied, but then again, it is DVD. We were watching so. the DVD. I'm sure the Blu-ray looks better. Do you reckon? I, yeah, I've not. There we, are times when it looked. I know it wasn't supposed to look as dark as it. When did. you watch a DVD on a and on, grainy. When well, grainy, not grainy, film grain, not filmy, not that kind of grainy, like just muddy. Yeah, well, when you times. watch um, a, well, we've watched Blu-ray for the longest time. Like I said, I can't tell you the last time we watched a DVD, and we're watching on a hundred and three. There will be blood. Yeah, which I, after the fact, I've got the Blu-ray now. So when we watch it again, we'll be able to watch it in Blu-ray. But there is a distinct difference between Blu-ray and DVD. That that difference becomes more obvious when you haven't watched a DVD for a long time. Because I can't tell you, it might have been There Will Be Blood, or, but we generally watch the Blu-ray. And you're watching, we're watching it on a big a When you blow ball. it up, it loses some of its, you know, it kind of looks a bit... There were times when I was like, oh, that just looks... Uh, looks muddy. a bit Vaseline-y, like, uh, like yeah. it's fuzzy. And right. it wasn't because they wanted the creatures to look good, because there were totally bright, sunshiny scenes shining right the on their desert. faces. Yeah, and that were perfectly beautiful. It was just some of those inner foresty shots that... But yeah, DVD of- blown up to 104 inches or whatever our screen is, it's always going to lose something. And even, we, we even had it upscaled in high def, but mm-hmm. it's never going to be as good as the Blu-ray, because Blu-rays look amazing, there's no doubt. And this is available on Blu-ray. We just can't comment on that, on the picture uh, quality. (laughs) But yeah, some of these dark scenes near the beginning were muddy, but I think, and I not just think, it's because they're a lot lower quality. I think this guy skirts the line, as they say, or skates the line, or drives the line. What do you call it? I don't know. He balances the line between looking, his film looking a little bit independent and looking... Big Hollywood production. I think it looks quite independent, this movie. Sometimes. That's what I like about it. And then other times it looks just like a big yeah. production kind of thing. Yeah. You know? um, but I, I do like the look and feel of this movie. And I feel in high def it could be quite spectacular, actually. Because some of those close-ups of those creatures, you know oh, yeah. they're, they're super totally. detailed, those things. And every hair on them, you can tell it's been agonized over to get them to look exactly how they want. And Jim Henson, you know, they don't do things by half, so... So there's all the voice actors, and there's the director. DVD extras. Now, the Blu-ray does have some more extras. There's only a few extras on the DVD. It wasn't, wasn't an amazing amount. Of it. And it's only a single disc, so like they couldn't probably fit a lot of extras on. But, but um, DVD cover. Love it. 
Yeah, I really love it too. It's um, Carol and uh, Max walking through the desert. I really like that scene where he says, you're the king of all this. You're the king of the world, you know, the world, and you're going to love it, everything. Uh, you might not like this part. No. He's, this part. Oh. This in, is the when he's walking part. through the desert. This is the worst part. Yeah. And then he's like, why? He's like, just look at it. Like it used to be rocks, and now it's <laughs> sand, and then someday it'll be dust, and I don't even know what happens after dust. Yeah, I really like that. So, um, the special features are, it's just a series of Where the Wild Thing Are shorts by Lance Bangs. And so I didn't even notice that part. What was it? Series of Where... Oh, okay, Lance Bangs was at the end of each one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. All right. So, you've got the absurd, the absurd difficulty of filming a dog running and barking at the same time. So, what was that one? That was just basically that. Uh, in the, at one thirty in the morning, a whole crew of people, director, producer, DP, all the people, and a dog trainer and a dog, trying to get a dog to run behind a fence for what could have, what ended up being what? A half a second? In the movie, yeah. Maybe two seconds at the very most, getting him to run and bark as if someone's running past him and he, on a street, you know? It shows, it shows the it. level of detail that Spike wants. And then he's sort of I love it when the dog trainer woman comes over and kind of says... She's like, no, this is what you ordered. This dog does not run and do bark. That. Dogs don't do that. Yeah. I mean, they might, but this one doesn't, not and that's ones. the one you ordered. Yeah. And she was like, like telling him, like... Yeah. And he was like, okay, well, can we just get somebody else's dog? Can we just get, like, a neighbor's dog? Because they're just in a neighborhood. And they're like, yeah. okay, we'll get somebody's dog. So it's interesting. I will say, this is the kind of movie, unless I have the book in front of me to read... It's really the only extra that I'm interested in, or an interview with the original author, and not necessarily his views on the movie. He's probably dead by now, I don't know. But just a, a, a discussion about the concept behind the original story. That's what I was interested yeah, in. Yeah, and there's no audio commentary on the DVD either. I'm not sure about the Blu-ray, but there is none. Um, so yeah, getting behind the scenes stuff, even about the book, there's nothing in mm. that way. Um, the second uh, shot is the the crew pranks Spike, and it's a... I didn't fully understand it. I didn't fully understand it, but it was fun to watch. It was just a, you know, yeah. on-the-scenes prank. I on, felt kind of like I, I wasted those few minutes of my life. I'll never get them back. And then there's Vampire Attack, which is the Max record shot, which is kind of fun. It's mm-hmm. a, um, Spike and Max making their own little movie just for fun. Um, it's about 20 seconds long. Yeah, and it kind of shows you like it and the behind-the-scenes footage from it. Yeah, it's yeah, real, it's real funny. Um, and then there's the kids take over the picture, which is like a ten-minute thing about how many kids. Of, that, considering yeah. there's only really one kid in this movie, there's a lot of kids on the set to keep him to keep Max company, I guess. So he's not the lonely kid like mm-hmm. he is in the movie. Um, and that is it for bonus features. The Blu-ray does contain some more bonus features. But I can't comment on what they are. So fair enough. For the D- DVDs, fairly underwhelming because I wanted more. I wanted less. I wanted a um, director. I wanted to hear Spike Jones talk about this movie, mm. possibly with the author of the book. Um, I would like uh, an actual on the set. Not just the prank and the thing. An actual on-the-set thing, because I find him quite interesting. What I've found... I mean, I guess this is kind of contrary to what I've said before, where you see the process of, say, like, the people in the suits. Oh, I want to see that, The first day they come to the set, and then how do they learn how to do this and that, and I want to see the puppeteers who have all the things in their hands that make the moves of the face. Of course, yeah. We've seen it all before, but this one, is it's so... 
Now, maybe we're being tricked. Because maybe some of those mouth movements and eye movements are CGI. But I don't know. It's a hard... If they are... It's it's pretty seamless those close up shots and stuff, but yeah, that I would like to see. Well, that. what I'm saying is the extras on this movie. There's so much opportunity to show Jim Henson's Creature Workshop, mm-hmm. even um, Gandolfini and the crew doing voice acting um, on the set stuff. Anything really? I mean, but then some of that I might end up saying, yeah, we've seen it all before. But for some reason, I longed for it in this one. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the Blu-ray holds. How the, can um, you make everybody happy? <laughs> And maybe the Blu-ray holds a two-hour documentary that we're not aware of. Yeah, exactly. That has everything. But um, it seems to be a disturbing trend nowadays where they want you to get the Blu-ray now. And the DVD gets left behind in the special features department. Because that could have been a two-disc edition, but it's not. You know, they try and cram everything onto one disc. So, um, in conclusion, I um, recommend Where the Wild Things Are. I I believe if you've read the book, you really should see it. I, I, I... no, it depends if you're if the book is completely beloved to you. I don't know that watching a movie based on your favorite book is a good idea. No, maybe not. I really I, don't because you're going to pick it apart. I read The Lord of the Rings when I was a kid, all of it, and I actually prefer the movies to what I read. Mm. So there are there are instances where I've also read the star. I, I oh, I tell you what I read before I saw it: The Exorcist. I think The Exorcist is a better movie than a book. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've never read the book, so I don't know. Yeah, but. I read the book, I remember, and it, I, I was a kid, and it was, and I, I don't know, I got it from the library or something, and um, I read it, and it was terrifying. I was on a kick of reading James Herbert, Stephen King, or anything like, kind of. Yeah. And I watched, I read a bunch of them, and I finally got his William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist, and I was like, oh, this sounds like a spooky book, and got it, and read it, and it was like, oh, this is like terrifying. There's a movie of this. <laughs> I ended up seeing the movie of it, and, and then you shit your pants. And to this like, oh day, that, that movie still makes me shit my pants. I mean, it really does. There's something about that movie. Even just it's thinking scary. about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The um, stairway. So I don't agree that you know. Sometimes this could your vision of this movie. What you know, your vision of this book. If you've read it all your life, this could be exactly what you. And it could be a complete affront to it. Yeah, it could be. So I recommend this movie. Um, having no insight yeah. into the book at all, I saw it as really lovely kind of look into a kid's, well, into a family's life and in a weird... And I don't think that little kids would be disturbed by it. In fact, I think they would miss out on, they wouldn't even grasp a lot of the bigger concepts. It's just big creatures that a kid is interacting with. There are a few scenes where they throw dirt clods at each other and they throw each other around and it's kind of funny. And then you see that one of them is kind of a moody, Bully. Mm, uncomfortable one, and you would kind of get something from that. I don't think kids would be that disturbed by any of it, to be honest. So this is, I can think of a scary but part. But you might be more sensitive than I was when I was a kid. Oh, it I'm wouldn't not, have bothered me. It didn't bother me now. I'm saying it's no, like, I mean, when you were a kid. I, it wouldn't have bothered me when all I was right, a kid. Well, no, as a kid, I would, I would get pretty scared by intense things and stuff, you know. Even cartoons, I remember when I was little. I, I remember, actually, when I was... I, I remember, I don't know how little I was. I was fairly little. And Doctor Who used to come on, on a, <laughs> at 6 o'clock on a Saturday night. And I can remember sitting on the couch watching Doctor Who with my father and my auntie. And it was these pink... The enemy of Doctor Who this particular week was these pink jelly monsters. <laughs> and what it was was like a... 
see-through pink. It looked like slime. You know that slime that your kids mm-hmm. get that throw at people. It was like that, but it was pink. And inside the jelly was all eyeballs. <laughs> I literally, when it came on the screen and it made this horrible noise, went behind the couch and I was frightened to death. I was shaking. I didn't want to ever see it again. You know, it scared me to death. Oh. I was really little, but it freaked me out. So, yeah, maybe I was sensitive. Yeah, the only thing I was ever truly afraid of when I was a kid was aliens. Because I was convinced aliens. In the movie, aliens. No, no, no. Um, Just aliens. Like, yeah, aliens. The aliens were coming to get me. Right. And similar to me, the the (laughs) pink jelly monster was an alien. (laughs) I'd love to figure out what that episode of Doctor Who was because I mean it looked probably looked terrible like but, but as, a kid, as a kid it's like, like real <laughs> you know there's there's a pink thing with eyeballs if we're watching it ever and you run behind the couch I'm gonna know you have yeah. not overcome that particular <laughs> fear so yeah I recommend this movie I think it's a lovely movie I recommend movie. it it reminds you of a lot of things maybe you should you know you get tied up with shit at work and like all the bullshit and whatnot or in life. Sometimes you just have to let it go. I actually think it's a good two hours of escapism and it's also got an interesting theme to it. It didn't come across like I expected. It didn't come across like it has a message or a lecture or anything like that. Except that it does have a bigger message, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, you can't really... At the end of it, you can't really say... Well, here's the fable. Here's the oh, no, don't right. go don't go down the yellow brick road or whatever. There's no uh, cautionary tale or anything. No, no, no cautionary tale. Don't. There, it's more of a experience or like inside a child's psyche. I, I, I don't know. It's, or inside an adult psyche. Inside, yeah. I, I and I do definitely say it's a children's movie for grown-ups, <laughs> and I stick to that. I do think that that's what it is. It's not really for kids. I think kids actually. When I said they could be disturbed by it, I think kids could actually be slightly bored by it mm. too, because its its ideas are its strength, and it's they might not play to the kids at all. I mean, the kids mm. might not get any of that. The kids might just go, "Oh, they're guys in suits like Barney running around." Yes, <laughs> I've seen better. You know what I mean? Like, yes. you know, I'm a, I'm a kid. I've seen yeah, I've seen Pixar. But stuff. that's what I was saying. Young kids, I think they would be in awe of it, kind of. Yeah, young kids. So um, that's where the wild things are. Thank you to Warner for providing the DVD for review. Next week's DVD review will be The Fourth Kind on Blu-ray, which is Mila Jovovich's new... Speaking of aliens. Correct. Paranormal something. Something something like that. I don't know what it's... I don't don't know know what it's about, really. But uh, I know Mila Jovovich is in it, and I like her. Multipass. Yes. Monkey pass. Monkey pass. Um, Lilo Dallas, monkey pass. Contest. So you can go to the site this week and you can win some movies. Uh, the latest contest I put up was for, if you like sexy ladies, it's for Suicide Girls, The Guide to Living on Blu-ray, which is a soft porn movie. Oh, I like sexy ladies. I believe it's a soft porn movie. So, but soft uh, porn? Like porn without any penetration. What's Just women. Point? Just women. Right. You know, messing with themselves and stuff. Great. <laughs> I'm, I can't be like, go, oh, hey, mm-hmm. husband, that's fantastic. I'm just, thinking, I'm just thinking there's a lot of our, lot of our <laughs> listeners who their ears just pricked up and they went, where's this competition? <laughs> I'm going. Um, yeah, so we have some of those to give away. We also have some of uh, a movie we'll be reviewing in a few weeks. Uh, Nicholas Cage in Bad Lieutenant. Um 
Port of Call New Orleans, which I hear good things about, and, you know, who doesn't like Nicolas Cage? A lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm a fan. (laughs) You're a fan. You're a fan in the same way you're a loyal fan of other people who you sometimes question. Yeah. Your loyalty is challenged, like Kevin Smith. It's question. It's it's hard. My to, loyalty is challenged with. Ca- it's hard with, to hang um, and cage is a hard one sometimes. You got to really you got to devote. It's like a sports team, you know. Even when they got a bad season, you got to just suck it up. And if you're a fan, you stick with. You know, because there's some great stuff from Nicolas Cage, and then there's some stuff <clears throat> National Treasures and stuff like that. National Where, Treasures, all right. It's just fun. It's not not but because there are of Nicolas Cage, in which he is not good. Oh yeah. And it's because of him that the movie is shitty. Like next. That is a shitty movie. Next is a really shitty movie. I've got to agree. And it's because of him. Most I mean, people, the concept is Most people think anyway. Knowing was a shitty movie, but I actually enjoyed that one, so... You liked it because the idea. Yeah, I thought it, yeah. the idea was, like, so immense and huge. It was like, this is a Nicolas Cage movie with this idea. Right. It actually he doesn't works. make it good. No. No, he just, he's just Nicolas Cage. He doesn't make it bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Alex Proyas who makes it good, the director behind Dark City. Yeah, so you hang, you cling to those... Like, when you're a fan of somebody, you're really true to them. And you hang out hope. I, I don't think Nicholas. I mean, Nicholas Cage has chosen some bad projects. Definitely. He's also... He's not that good all the time. Can you not just admit it? Sometimes he's crap. He's wooden. No, I think he's, he's very... He's distant. I think he's very... He's um, got his head up his own ass. I think he's very... The same all the time. <laughs> I think. I think even in his good performances... Even in his bad movies, he's still doing what he did in the good ones. It's just that that movie didn't work or whatever. You know, it's like... Because mm. that... You know, Next, for instance. You know, it's horrible. Like, really horrible. Like, um, there's <laughs> nothing not good about movie. that movie. No, the same as that, you know, I love Tony Scott. And Deja Vu. is horrible. It's yeah. like horrible. And Domino wasn't good. I, pre- I mean, it wasn't bad. I but prefer it Domino. I'd watch Domino again over that Deja Vu, which was just like, you know. You feel insulted almost that this being like put together a movie you're like, that you go, okay, oh, I, I love Tony Scott. This will be awesome. What's going on? Like, you're like 10 minutes in. Yeah. Did Tony Scott really make this one? Because this, this isn't, <laughs> this, you know. Is this like Tony Scott's assistant just pretending to be Tony Yeah, Scott? no, that wasn't good. So, Off um, topic. So yeah, contest available on the site, next week's DVD, The Fourth Kind on Blu-ray. Next week's Blu-ray. It's both okay. Uh, movie recommendations for this week. Um, I thought of another one while we were talking. Let me just figure out what it was. Oh, well, my first one is Bridge to Terabithia, which is another movie which I went into feeling like it was going to be a certain thing, but then it was much more than that. And it's another look at childhood and innocence and, you know. Fantasy. Oh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was another oh, one. Oh, yeah. Which I equate to, like, an adventure like Where the Wild Things Are. More of an adventure. I... It's not as, um... It's not really a look at the heartbreak of being a child as some of these are. No, but it's... The heartbreak of losing your child. But, you know, you know about being the king and being the, mm. the in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, they go into the world of Narnia and become the princes and the, you know... Yeah, it's a bit fancied up for what I would compare it to. But it is, but saying. I would definitely along the same lines. Kids stepping into a fantasy world, yeah. And, you know, becoming something... Mm. Yeah, then, yeah. You know, um, Willow was another one which oh, I wanted to mention. yeah. I haven't watched that for so long. No, it's been a while. There's not a kid in that, though. No, but I just... You know when you get a vibe of something like a, an adventure? Adventure, a, definitely yeah, adventure. Like a, well, one of my And one of yours is yeah. exactly the same thing. 
and mine are never ending both of them never ending story which is of course a kid on the search for the nothing that's destroying all of everything and that's fantastic and I love it and I should watch it right now it's on Netflix instant queue awesome the original not mm-hmm. never ending the original story. Yeah. the first one oh it's so it's so, in I, high I definition you. I wanted to try you to fall in love with me and I think I was a teenager when I watched it so you know love that one and what's my other one Time Bandits. Time Bandits, yeah. Which another was one, one where a When kid... I was a kid, I wore my VHS of Time Bandits out and watched it <laughs> Because um, it's a kid falling into a fantasy world where there's adventure and danger and adult themes, like adult dangers. And I Do you know the that. whole section with Gulliver in that, in Time Bandits? I have to pull, dredge being, it up. I haven't watched it again for a long time. Well, I watched that part so much that it ended up getting stuck in the VHS so I had to do a surgery on my VHS tape. So my VHS tape of Time Bandits, which I watched for probably another two or three years after that, <laughs> ha- had none of that scene. So whenever I watch it now, it's almost like that's a deleted scene for me. If I see it again, I'm like, whoa, look at that. This is a whole thing that's ten minutes long. I a need whole, to watch that again, too. A whole other story. It's um, something that I don't know has come out on Blu-ray yet. I would like to own Time Bandits. Mm. I don't think I've even got a DVD of it. But, you know, it's one that... It's a classic. It's right? beloved to me as a kid. Terry Gilliam, right? Yes. And most of the Monty Python people. Mm-hmm. Actually. Um, I highly recommend that one. Oh, even yeah. though it was your recommendation. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Games and A. Scully stuff for this week. Um, last week That's I... That's a hell of a long list. Last week I, Last week I promised I would be playing God of War 3. And then I got God of War 3 on release date. But I've not still not played it yet. Because... I'm still not at the end of God of War 2. My intention was last week on Monday night to finish God of War 2, then Tuesday night, mm-hmm. um, finish God, well, play God of War 3. Um, but Monday night, we played God of War 2. We thought we was at the end of it, but apparently we was not anywhere near the end of it because all of Tuesday night turned into God of War 2 also. And goodness forbid, the wife and slash aunt suggested, well, just... Go on to God of War three then. I mean, if they don't, <laughs> and you're you're both like, we don't what? know the story. What? That's like, that's what are you like, talking about? That's like, don't watch the Empire Strikes Back. It is not. It doesn't together. matter. Because it matters. They you up in the beginning of. No, the story's huge in this game. I mean, to know what happens at the end of two, three starts about five seconds after okay. two ends. So you need to Fair know enough. the deal. So. God of War three, I will. So to all those people who didn't play one and two, just don't, just don't even bother with three. Yeah, it's it's a good trilogy, and the story is really good. It's actually one of them video games where the um, story is actually meaningful and interesting. You know, I mean, you could say Kratos is a one-dimensional kind of angry guy, but no, his story reveals. I didn't know certain things about him that once you understand, you understand why he's kind of pissed off because mm-hmm. he's been dealt a rotten hand like and not only is everybody you know the gods are against him the titans are everybody's against him so it's a, it's a really good game I can't wait to play 3 because it's going to be god of war but new you know what I'm saying because we've been playing the old games um, I also played this week uh, well what I've got on the list here for this is coming up this week. Game Room on Xbox Live Arcade. What Game Room is, it's free, but not free. It's an arcade on your Xbox 360. Now, in the course of over this course of this next year, they're going to be adding like 2,000 games to this Game Room. 
games from the old days in the arcades, such as, you know, Centipede, Space Invaders, all the original arcade classics into this game room. Now, how this game room works is you download the game room for free and it's a virtual arcade that your avatar on Xbox Live walks around and plays the games. Now, the games, you either buy the games or you play them like you're in an arcade with your Microsoft money. So, so you walk up to Centipede and you want to have a game of Centipede. You can have a demo of every game in the game room once so I can walk up to Centipede, play one game of Centipede like you would in an arcade, three lives, and then Centipede's done unless A, you buy Centipede, or B, you pay per play like in an arcade, like a quarter ago. So the games are going to be $3 a piece or $5 a piece if you want them on. Game Room's also going to exist on the PC and Xbox 360. if you want the game to play on both. $3 if you want it just on the 360. Or just pay like a... What the equivalent of a quarter to have three credits. Like you would in an arcade. So it's a virtual arcade. I'm going to add like 2,000 games. I think there's like 100 games coming to it this week. Um, What do you think of that as an idea? Sounds like bullshit. Sounds like just another net to snag all your cash. Now... You can get those games in so many other ways already, and they're just giving you the illusion of this cool well, little free... Well, you asked me my opinion, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. It's well, my opinion, my opinion is you can feed all these... shoving money down their throats. Well, my opinion is you can illegally get all these games and maim, them, which has been out for a long time. You know, maim... Yeah, but you can also buy them legitimately. I um, mean, some, not all, but... If they exist for maim, they exist for other things. Uh-uh. Well... The arcade machines. What MAME is, is the ROMs from the arcade machines emulated on a PC, right? So, yes, MAME exists. Yes, every single arcade game known to man exists on MAME. Yes, it's all illegal, right? You have to... If you own that stuff... If you don't own the arcade cabinet, you are not entitled to own the ROM. So... Yes, you can buy MAME and you have You tell them. me there's no purchasable version of Yes, Centipede. well, companies like Namco... Put out classic collections on certain... Well, the 360 even has a classic collection with 10 Namco games on a disc. And you can play them. Such as Pac-Man and... You know, the and they're the ones. real thing. They're the not real the thing, Atari-looking yeah. bullshit ones. Are the, the emulated real. arcade games. So, yes, things like that exist. But Game Room's going to cater to everything. Like, real obscure. In fact, if you look at the first 100 titles that they're putting in there... I, and I know about video games, don't <laughs> know about 50 of them. I mean, I'm like... I have no idea what these games are. Like, they existed, and you can see they've got um, dates next to them, like 1977. and So, they're going to make it like this big encyclopedia of games. You either buy them or they don't. You know what? I would have fun just nipping in there every week. Because you get a free demo on every one, one game. I would have, a, I would have fun. If there's a hundred of them, I could sit and just play a hundred games for nothing, right? Yeah. And if I love Centipede that much, or whatever it is, the one particular game that I absolutely adore. And for me... It's Pac-Man. I mean, I can play Pac-Man over and over again. Even now. Like, how many years old is it? Yeah. You can give me Pac-Man on any device, anything, and I will have a game. It's fun to play. Yep. Um, so there are the odd one that you might buy. Not not me, because I already bought Pac-Man on Xbox Live Arcade. But this is going to be a, a place to have all these games. So, you Why, know... That's just too much. I think $3 is too much for a game. You know... is fine for something like Street Fighter 
where it's like a full deep game because Street Fighter was in the arcade so by right Street Fighter should appear in the game room $3 is a bargain for a game like Street Fighter but I don't think it's a bargain for Centipede that's literally the same thing for <laughs> a thousand screens yeah or it just go, it, it's not there's not nothing different the, the idea of Centipede Right, but if I could play Centipede for 100 hours, which I could, because yeah. Centipede was my well, favorite Well, then $3 game. is worth it to you, right? No. A dollar. Yeah. And you can probably, you know, yes, there are Flash versions of all these old arcade games that you can probably find. Yeah. But these are the legitimate. So if you've been into MAME for all this, you know, and for all this time, but felt kind of guilty about, like, <laughs> stealing it all. Oh, you're saying they're, they're going to lift This is a kind of a way to... Pay back these companies like Namco and all these people who put out these arcade games, which probably, you know, some of these arcade games, I don't know, like back in the 70s. Microsoft obviously bought them up, right? Bought them, bought a lot of these up, and now these people will get some money, I'm assuming. I'm not sure how it works, but. Some of stuff like King's Lair and shit like that. Are those arcade games or whatever that was called? Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair. Yeah, that was like a laser disc game, like a cartoon, basically, that you controlled. Right. Those are emulated in MAME, I believe, but I don't think Game Room's going to be as ambitious as that. I think it's going to be your standards, you it's know. It's been a while, if ever, anyone has ever tried to make Microsoft sound like some sort of uh, way to alleviate your guilty conscience. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good angle you got there, Mr. I actually, <laughs> I actually appreciate the idea of Game Room. Because I, I, sure. I'm into retro gaming. I, I actually love just... Um, Picking up like an old game, like Spy Hunter or something that I played when I was a kid for hours on end. It's fun just to play one of those for a few minutes. And literally, it's always for a few minutes because you don't stick with them. So for me, a demo play or just maybe if I just fancy a couple of plays for like 10 Microsoft points, like very small amount of money. I might just try it or I'll go in there for an hour and just clown around with it. But the $3 a game is a lot. You know, and I've dabbled with MAME in the past. I don't have any MAME now, but I, I've played with it. And it literally is a free option. It's going to be a hard sell for people. But there again, the kind of people who have an Xbox 360, you might log on to gaming, might never even know about MAME or Correct. know how a PC works. So it's an audience for old games. So I appreciate it. I just think it might be a bit too pricey. The, uh, I mean, I appreciate the fact that if there's a thousand games in there and I can play every one of them once for free... That's many hours of being in there, just trying everything, right? So there is a use for it. So I'm kind of interested to see. So that's available on Wednesday. And it's free. But then it's not free. It's absolutely not free. It I mean, is a tool to The actual thing is free. It doesn't matter. It's not, because they know you're going to go in there and buy something. Now, it's not just the arcade games either. They're adding this, like, um, challenges feature where, say I get a high score on Centipede... I can pause the game, bring up my friends list and send a request and say, I just got this much on a game, try and beat me. So there's all this integrated, and leaderboards and all this stuff that wasn't even in the original games. So they've added all this too. There's even a, um, for people who are not very good at old games, a kind of a infinite life kind of button where mm. you can, um, like, say you can't do a jump in Pitfall. Like, you're trying jumping over... This is how they showed it on the uh, demo. You're trying to jump over the pit of crocodiles and you keep dying, you keep dying. Well, there's a thing where you can say, get me over the crocodiles and I'll carry on. So you might get to see parts of arcade games that you never reached uh-huh. as well in that way. So um, that's Game Room. Um, and that's 
the other Xbox Live arcade game I've been playing, which was this week, which was Perfect Dark, which we mentioned last week. Which, when you... Do you see it this week? Did a little you see bit. Play? Yeah, I said it, it looked like old Doom to it me. It does, and but nice. I mean, it's been yeah. touched up. It's just that corridor, turn, corridor, yeah, turn. Yeah, no jumping. And no stiff jumping. gun, right? Stiff gun. Corridor, turn, corridor, turn, corridor, yeah. turn. <laughs> no jumping, because there was no jumping yeah. in old FPSs. So you're like... And a, no up and down, it's just all... I feel like I'm like a car driving down a road. Corridors. With a with a gun sticking out, yeah. Hallway after hallway after hallway. No, this is like a full-on game, though. I mean, it's a huge adventure, and it's got voice acting, and it's not like, you know, janky. It's... If you buy this game... Say you don't have any nostalgia for it like I did, because it was one of the games I played a lot in N64. It might appear to you as like, oh, this is kind of crappy, because you've played Call of Duty and stuff. But, ten years ago, is it ten years ago or more? Probably more. 1995, I would say. This is how first-person shooters were in 1995, and this was the cutting edge of, like, the best one you could possibly play. So it's interesting history lesson for the... Youngsters Did you play for very long? I have finished the first five levels so far. And I've played some multiplayer, which is really fun. Because you can play it on Xbox Live as a deathmatch, which you could not in the original because there was no internet. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough. But now... And it plays really good. Because it's got like, all this auto-aiming going on, so it's not particularly hard. I think hard. someone might question your history. There was internet in 1995, but there wasn't... There was no internet. that's when Doom came around and that's... There was you. no internet that... On a console that on a console, yeah, because right. this was the Nintendo sixty four, which didn't even right, have right. A, didn't even have an Ethernet port or anything. Um, so that one's uh, recommended by me, um, more so if you're nostalgic about it and you've not played it for a while. Um, this week coming up will be Red Steel two, which is the Wii's um, sword fighting game, which is you know it uses the Motion Plus, which. It's interesting because that Motion Plus little dongle thing that you bought for your um, Wii Sports Resort, you've never used it since Wii Sports Resort. This is the first other game to use it. So, you know, if you thought that thing was a waste of money, this thing might change your mind. And this is a sword fighting game set in the Wild West, but also in the future. It's kind of got a bit of Kill Bill kind of thing going on. It's like um, Samurai's... And it uses true one-to-one sword fighting. So when you hold your Wiimote, wherever you hold it, that's where it shows up on screen, even if you put it behind your back. So it's kind of like the sword fighting in Wii Sports Resort, but a full game made of that. Um, Metro 2033, least said about that, the better. That's a first-person shooter on the 360. Made in Russia. So it's like a Russian game. Why are you talking about it? I played it this week. Mm. Um... It's a Russian game. It's re- got really good graphics. It's got really kind of good stories. After a nuclear war in Russia, everybody's gone into the subways to live because you can't be up above because of the fallout. So all of civilization lives in the subways, which are pre-existing. But, you know, the subways don't run anymore, but people all live in these little t- shanty towns built up in the different platforms. And there's also mutant stuff that came from above that also sneaks down there from time to time and it's your adventure through the metro. Which sounds really good, right? And sounds it's based awesome. it's based on a book, and the book I believe I've been told is really good. But where the game goes wrong is the graphics are really good, like really good, you'd be really impressed by them. 
but the shooting's like really horrible. It's like when you shoot at something, the first level though is on these kind of mutant dogs come at you and you're firing at them and it's kind of like in, in a first person shooter game in any other game I've ever played you kind of know you're hitting something because it makes a, either a noise or there's some blood or something well there's no or kind of yeah but there's no, <laughs> there's no visual or audio evidence that you're actually hitting them so it feels like there's something wrong like um and let me just describe the scene for you. As you're talking, you're actually putting your hands in yeah. the position of holding like a rifle, and you've pointing down at the dog. You're pointing down to the ground like you're, and you're yeah. really serious, like like you're really. Uh, so you know. I can't recommend it because the shooting mechanics are really janky, and it makes the whole game feel janky to me. How about if I've never played a shooting game? It'd be even. It'd be horrible because <laughs> um, there's no feedback on whether you're hitting stuff, so it kind of makes it like super difficult they don't die they die but sometimes <laughs> you think you look you think you're aiming right at them but nothing's happening they're still coming they're still coming mm. then you're like oh crap i'm not actually aiming at him but because i can't hear him yelping when the bullets are hitting or whatever i don't know what the hell's going on so it's it's just weird and this happens a lot in these russian mm. uh ukraine developed games there's there's several of them there's one called stalker on the pc which I've heard also has the same problem. Like, it's kind of like they get some stuff, but they don't get the other stuff. So I can't, I can't recommend it, unfortunately, even though it's cheap. Um, and finally, this week... Well, no, last week, Rage of the Gladiator, which is a WiiWare title, which everybody knows WiiWare. It's a, the Wii's Xbox Live Arcade, where you can buy the game on the Wii. Um, well, Rage of the Gladiator is the first... Wii Motion Plus again game for the and it's I think it costs ten dollars, but it's a you're a gladiator and it's first person sword fighting like Red Steel but it's you're a gladiator and you go in an arena and there's ten different opponents and it's kind of like Punch Out if you ever saw me play that the one with the boxing mm-hmm. like with Glass Joe and all that it's kind of like that but with gladiators and a sword it's really fun it costs ten dollars and you can just download it straight onto your Wii you know. Um, and then finally, Just Cause 2, which is the sequel to Just Cause, which was kind of a janky game, but this one kind of improves on it. This one's actually by Square Enix. Um, that's out this week as well. Um, I've played a little bit of it, and so far, hmm, I'll probably talk more about it next week. Um, and that's it. So God of War 3 I will play this week, and Just Cause 2. Uh, and that is it. Wow, that's a lot of game stuff. This week. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, um, what have you got? Uh, what's for supper? What's for dinner? Spaghetti. And I think some cooked cabbage for our lovely side vegetable. I was going to mention that I cooked, I cooked some uh, kale the other day and you thought that was really horrible. It was oh. like really bitter. You thought it was really bitter. Any, if anybody out there eats kale on a regular basis. Now, this was big leaf kale. So after I did some research, the big leaf kale is always more bitter than the little tiny. This one wasn't ones. just a little bitter; it was like too much for me. It was I like you, th- your brain is telling you you're eating poison. However, later at work, because I was so pissed off about some politic bullshit, whatever, and I work nights, so we don't have options to get food in our building or anything. So I had taken the kale, I had taken a cooked turnip, cooked turnip, and then like the salad I made was cucumber cauliflower broccoli 
And I had all, and I was really excited. I'm like, oh, this will be healthy. I'm taking good, healthy food, and I'm going to eat this vegetable stuff. And then we get there, and of course, then the black cloud comes over your head of work. You know how it is. It's not the work part that I like my job part. It's just the bullshit that goes with it. I think everyone can identify with that. Upper management bullshit, whatever. And I instantly wanted to order a pizza. Now, this is coping. I know there's some addictive personality thing going on here. I wanted a pizza. I wanted to eat a greasy, cheesy, thick pizza so bad. And I would look over at that dish with the kale in it and the turnip. I'm like, that is not going to do it for me. It wouldn't have done it for me. It's not going to do it for me. So I had to force myself, and I thought about it every second. I was doing my tasks, talking to people that I work with, a couple, I only have three people there when I'm there, but I had to force myself. By looking at the clock every 10 seconds to not order a pizza until after I knew every place was closed. And then I ate the kale. Huh. And it wasn't that bad. No, it was I let it, to, it was cooked with onions and pepper and then I had the turnip. And then I added some like tamari and I think that was my chair squeaking. But it wasn't that bad, but it wasn't fantastic. But I'm just saying, I, I held off on the pizza that was meant to comfort me. And then I ate the bitter, uh, well prepared, but bitter kale. So we will not be having any kale. But you like cooked cabbage, and you like uh, my spaghetti that I make. The yeah, I like cabbage, but kale was a bit too... If, I've had kale before, and it didn't taste like No, that's because I read, like I said, there's a lot of varieties. And some of the little curly-curly ones are like sweeter, like a spinach or something. And I just, I don't know. I bought what they had at the store. Hmm. We'll try it again someday. Um, I was just going to say that I did join the YMCA again. Y-M-C-A It's oh, called you stay everybody's going to love you for that YMCA. I wasn't even going to say it But you know when you say Y-M-C-A I think everyone That song just pops into Young man, mind. young man There's no need to feel down The fact that you know all the words I think cracks me <laughs> up so much You know what? When I was a kid The movie The Village People movie You Can't Stop the Music Do you remember that movie? I don't. You don't remember I've it? I've seen the Kiss movie. I've not seen the way... The yeah, I've seen the Kiss people. movie also. But the Village People movie, You Can't Stop the Music, which is the gayest movie <laughs> I've ever seen. It's... Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed no, by I you mean, right I now. Mean, it, don't it, say that, that's rude. No, it's the gayest movie I've ever seen. It's, it's a homosexual cowboy, a homosexual... Uh, they're actually like, homosexuals. Yeah, of course they are. No, I mean, they're in the movie. They're portrayed as homosexuals. Yes. Or are you saying they? You're just being rude, like? No, they're portrayed as homosexual. It's it's one of them things where you where you're like years later, who would have not thought they were homosexual? It was. It's, it, okay, you're thinking they are, but they're not. Per- no, that's what the movie that. portrays. It's the whole thing is like it's so it's absolutely. Please tell everyone that you're not the person who calls everything gay because it's so hateful and rude. No, I don't. I'm, okay. I'm just saying this is the gayest movie I've ever seen. I bet that is not accurate. I bet there's a person I know who could tell you a few more gay movies. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's gayer movies than it. Well, I'm saying, I loved it. I was like, I don't know how old I was. Probably about seven or eight. I don't know how old I was when I'm glad you added that. <laughs> but um, we went to the cinema to see it. It was a... I was in a children's home when I was a young youngster. And it was... We had a Friday evening, take all the kids to the cinema... Um, night out and you can't stop the music was one week and then the week after it was also you can't stop the music because some kids didn't see it i went to both <laughs> i've never seen it again to this day maybe we should have it as an after the show movie yeah because what you're saying it just sounds rude to me it's pretty bad i'm not saying it isn't bad i'm saying <sighs> how do we get on that oh, is that my chair i think that's your chair squeaking actually nope. 
Finish yours. All right. Um, but what I was saying about the YMCA. Stop turning. It's not the turning. It's the something else. Squeaking. You're going to have to buy a new chair. <laughs> I am. I'll use the ball every week. Um, I thought, Ooh, you know, I want to join the Y because I want to go in the pool and do these little exercises and stuff for the muscles and whatnot. But there are going to be times when it's just too crowded and I'm going to feel self-conscious and blah. But I just got over all that shit. Today I went, before we watched the movie, and there were loads of families and people and people roaming around and I just didn't care. I just went in and did my thing and took a shower, went in the sauna, which I love, love the sauna. I could lay in there all day and it's not good for you, so I have to make myself get out. How much does it cost to be in the YMCA? For a year, $350. Can you have a good meal? Can you do whatever you feel? <laughs> you can't have a good meal. I don't know what YMCA that song was written about. There are no homeless people there. No one can live there. No one can stay there. No meals are served there unless they're having an event. What happens if, young man, when you're short on your dough, <laughs> there's a place you can go? I don't think you can. You've got no money. Can you you just... can go there and play basketball all afternoon. Like if Maybe. I go to the desk and say, listen, I'm short on my dough. Young man. I've been told I'm a young man. I've been told this is a place I can go. Well, they just tell me to get out. <laughs> well, this okay. This is funny. I walk in. The guy who's at the counter. You know, I could see you can look down into the pool area from up. You know, we walk in an upper level and then you can see down there. And I could see the young man who was at the counter and he's kind of leaned over looking at something. And I thought it was a laptop or something. And he's like staring at it, saying to me, "How's it going?" I'm still good. How are you? Oh, my MU's not doing too good. Now, MU is Missouri. It's University of Missouri, Columbia. To me, it's memory units. Mizzou basketball is what he's talking about because right now it's March Madness or whatever. And he did not look up from this little whatever he's watching. And he was totally deflated. Like, his little shoulders are all hanging down. And I'm checking myself in. And that, that was it. That was the whole exchange. He was so, com- you know... Consumed by the- Little do you know, he was watching You Can't Stop the Music on his <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> on his thing. But I, I really enjoy it. I would go, they have a really good shower. It's really, really hot. And I love that. And uh, not very expensive. And if you think, you know, my thoughts before, I'm just like everybody, I'm just like a lot of people. And I'm really snotty and snobby and I have these preconceived notions in my mind about public transportation and the YMCA. I can't help it. wasn't raised in a city, taking the bus everywhere to think that it's a good viable option. I always thought, ew, people riding the bus? Why are you riding the bus? Like, get a car, you know? I rode the bus then I'm Yeah, then I moved to a city a long time ago and I lived on the bus. I loved taking the bus. I went to Mexico to visit my mother, as we've mentioned in the last few weeks, and we rode the bus everywhere, and it was fantastic. I mean, it's a fantastic way of seeing an area when you pay a dollar and you get to go 30 miles. I mean, you know, it's awesome. So the YMCA, unless your YMCA happens to be extra shitty, but ours aren't. We have two right now, and we're building a new one. They're building a new one right here by our house. And it's quite nice. Uh, very clean. You know? But the only thing wrong with it is you can't get a good meal. You can't get a good meal. And there's... Vending um, machines. Not that I have a problem with old ladies, because I'll be one yeah, probably sooner than I'd like to admit, but they are very chatty. And are they always naked? 
they're they're often naked and they want to chat with you while they're being naked and <laughs> while you're being naked and you're thinking you know I'm in public I don't just strip down naked naked I have my towel around me and I'll put my underwear on and get my shirt on and stuff I mean it is all women and you shouldn't be that embarrassed it's not that big a deal except I'm not really in the mood to chat when someone's standing there completely naked like. We're talking complete. Oh no, not completely naked. She had her socks and shoes on. This one lady. Awesome. <laughs> she was naked and drying her arm. She had her towel. She was like drying her armpits and her crotch and stuff. And she's chatting like. <laughs> so that's just really funny. And what they what these older ladies also do? They go in the pool and do their little aerobics, aerobics in the water, right? So then they want to go in the sauna. They get in the sauna. They take all their bags and all their clothes into the sauna with them because they're so cold. So they want to get dressed in the sauna. Oh, honey, it's hot in here. They'll open the door to the sauna. To let the air Prop it open. Turn the heat down. And then they'll sit in there for like 20 minutes chatting and getting dressed. So then when you go in, it's just it's like... Crazy. Yeah, it's like 70 degrees in there. You know, I like it to be like super, super hot. I just find that really funny. But it's fun. It's fun and it was, it's a cheap thing. If I keep it up, that's awesome. I mean, I made the effort today on a rainy Sunday afternoon... When I knew we were going to be watching the movie because I really enjoy it. So hopefully I'll keep on that. And then uh, I've been scanning photographs once again. Someone in my family, a young person, is about to graduate from high school. And uh, kind of a thing I've done over the years is scan these people's lives and then make them little video uh, slideshows with music and whatnot. And it's awesome because I did not, I've not known this young second cousin very well. His mother is like one of my best friends. She's two weeks younger than me. We're cousins and we've known each other forever, but I've never really been around her raising her kids. But as I look at this young man's life from the day he was born, I swear to God, she's taking pictures of him every single day because I have a lot. There's a lot. Oh, you're nearly done though. Yeah, I've just got a little pile left. And it's really awesome because you get. Yes, it's a distant view of the person, but it still tells you a lot. He's a sports person. He's been in 4-H. He's done Junior Livestock Show. You see him with a couple dates with girls, proms, and whatnot. You know, and just... And to see him grow... Like, I can sit now and look through the folder, a slideshow, and from the day he was born until just a few weeks ago. Or a couple you months ago, I guess. could do that thing. I would, but it's hard to find pictures that focus right on... The, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of school pictures and stuff you can right. do that with. But I... It's also something I recommend because... Uh, and you it's are, a fantastic thing. Just have a little with. USB scanner that you've got your money's worth out of. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that scanner because you don't it's have to plug it into the um, no, wall. No, no you power. just plug it in USB and it works, yeah. And I've got it set up. I mean, I I was doing multi-scan where you can put like four or five multi-scan. pictures. But they don't all turn out great. I don't know if it's the software or the scanner or what it is. So I've just got to where I'm doing one picture at a time and tagging everything really well. And so that's another thing I suggest. If you got somebody coming up to an event, scan all the pictures you've got of them and then watch their whole life pass before your eyes. It's kind of cool. And last but, last, last but not least, do you want to mention these? Those, those are the cause of my bad breath at the beginning of this. Um, <laughs> organic something. Mary. Mary's gone. Crackers. Mary's gone. Like, where's Mary? Mary's gone. <laughs> Mary's gone is the brand of crackers. And then this other thing called Sticks and Twigs. And they're like, well, it's organic, but you know that doesn't even... I can't bother. highly recommend those. I don't highly recommend them to people right. who like, if you just like your standard Ritz or saltine like cracker. Ritz. But these are wheat-free, gluten-free, 
right? They've got, like, quinoa and rice and, um, I can't read the back of the box, uh, other good things, sesame seeds. No, that's okay. I don't need to tell them all the details. Um, they're really super crunchy. But too much for me. They stick earthy. in your teeth. They stick in your teeth a little bit because they got sunflower got seeds, seeds and the actual whole quinoa and stuff in them. But I'm telling you, they said I can eat ten of these. They're so crunchy and I flavorful. I preferred them with. Um, we put hummus on hummus them one day. On the it's really delicious. Even plain hummus because these are onion flavored. Yeah. But if you're looking for a satisfying, crunchy, I'm assuming healthy. I mean, I've looked into them and it's they've got a lot of fiber got and it's got no, no, no. Uh, Mary's gone. And the sticks and twigs I really like. I got the curry flavor and I really like those too. I get a handful of them when I think I'm starving and I'm going to just gorge myself on some snack. And I eat them. They're so crunchy. Seriously. To me, that must be something that satisfies me. The hefty duty crunch. And then that kind of earthy flavor. And then the seasoning on top of it. And I'm just totally in love. They're expensive. It's like four dollars and ninety nine cents. Yeah, but you don't, they kind of last a long time. Exactly. You don't I've had we've had these a week, and we just reached them before. Grab out a few, eat them. I'm just saying, gluten free particularly. I know that's really hard for people to find good gluten free snacks or whatever. If you're, I'm not, I'm not celiac or anything, but it's good to cut back on some gluten if you've got any kind of joint pain. So I've read. So that's it. Mary's gone. Crackers, sticks, and twigs. Um. I also wanted to mention that um, I got this week Lord of the Rings Trilogy Blu-ray set, which will be coming out for everybody else to get in about three weeks. It's all in one box? Yes, it's all in one Ah. box, Um, which we will be reviewing in a few weeks' time, nearer the time when it comes out. We just happen to get it a bit early. But... um, We've never watched it on the big screen. Never watched it um, in high def. We saw it on the theatre, but we've seen the DVDs at home but we've never seen it on the big screen so it'll be fun to watch the yeah nine hour spectacle what we'll do is I'll schedule it for a weekend where you're off both days and we'll watch one one day and then two the other day or something like that I could even take a night off like if you took a Friday off we could watch one every day and then sure. do the podcast when we've seen oh, I'd really watch one one day it's pretty hard with no. with a nine hour job plus I a bunch it. of extras yeah but you know how we feel when we start to watch a series of movies, even Bond, and they don't connect to each other, you get to the end of one and you think during it you might be done. And well, these are exceptionally over, long. As soon as it's over, you're ready for the yeah. next one. I mean, I, I, I've not seen them for quite a few years, so I'm glad, I've, I'm glad I didn't because I nearly wanted to watch them again. I've got the DVDs. It's one of those days where you have to wake up and go start watching movies. Yeah, I mean, because you're not coming out of the movie part until nine hours later. Correct. So, you know, but we yeah, we will be reviewing it. I just want to mention that, and um, you know, it's finally available in high def. People have been waiting for it. I mean, that and um, Star Wars. Aye, that Star- killing. Star Wars still no no nothing. That's okay. No Blu-ray. We've um, seen it. A few I'm times. looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. I want to remind you about the websites aschoolie.com sidtor.com you can find us both on Twitter Facebook Xbox Live YouTube or anywhere uh, quite a few people have added me on the PlayStation Network hmm. I just wanted to mention that if you are looking to add me on the PlayStation Network my username is aschoolie just aschoolie with a lowercase a just a aschoolie and on Xbox Live I'm aschoolie live or one word aschoolie l-i-v-e so um, some people have found me, but I always say you can find me on Xbox Live and never say my name. So 
It's kind of weird. Say my name, say my name. Um, you can also find this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, iTunes Music Store. Just go to com, click on the word podcast. You can subscribe there using any RSS feed reader. Um, I recommend Happy Fish. That's the one I use. Um, you're tapping your... Are you telling me something? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were telling me. I'm mate. just listening to the spiel. You can... Uh, Yes, yeah, subscribe um, and listen to 114 of these buggers. Um, you can also email feedback to me at com. You can... Don't email Sid Talk. Because <laughs> like every week we say, she hates you. <laughs> she hates everything you stand for. I do not. And I probably hate a lot of things you stand for, but not everything. Yeah. And... Um, Wish stay- me luck. I'm going to be having a discussion with my boss coming up this week where I'm actually disagreeing with him on something and I'm not backing down. And I've never done that before, so. I think you've done that before. No. No. I have never not just finally said, we agree to disagree, I will try harder or do better or whatever the circumstances. This time, absolutely not. So I'm just telling you. I may not be here next year. You might kill me. <laughs> <laughs> or next week. <laughs> I don't think he's the type to kill you. Uh, you know, he's pretty meek, but you never know. So uh, stay classy, um, Spike Jones. I want to see uh, <laughs> the next movie, Jackass 3D. You probably won't be seeing it, but I will. No, probably not. And I'm going to say, think for yourself, people. And when you absolutely know that you are not wrong about something, keep thinking for yourself because somebody will want to stamp it right out of you. 